Welcome to the Feed Zone. It's Black Friday week and you're listening on the Cycling Legends free and subscriber feeds. I'm Gary and I'm joined this week only by Chris Sidwells. Chris, how you doing? I'm all right. Yes, we're, we're, there was four and then there was three and, and now COVID has struck, David. Yeah, this is this is the Trofeo Baraki um, episode of the of the feed zone, just the two of us. Uh, but uh, yeah, Dave Stanley, our, our partner in podcasting crime. Um, if you're if you're a regular listener, you'll know that some of them have been fairly criminal over the last few weeks. Um, David has succumbed to the the uh, the, the dreaded Lorgi lor- long after long after it was fashionable. I, I have to say, yeah, yeah. But but yeah, um, it's it's nice to see that he's keeping the old ways going with COVID. Um, but we we wish him and, and his good wife Kath well as as they recover, um, and we'll have David back on next week. Well, um, well, yeah, we like to we like to reflect on cycling's past, so it's nice that he's gone into past uh, pandemics and uh, and bringing back the old favourites. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, if it, the Trofeo Baraki is something you're not familiar with. Um, if you look on cyclinglegends.co.uk and search Trofeo Baraki, there's a lovely story about it. It was a two man team time trial. That uh, uh, Nino Baraki, a businessman from Bergamo, created as a memorial to his Tifosi grandfather. And uh, he always signed the best riders uh, from the year to ride as a two man team time trial. Sometimes he put rivals together as well, uh, to the hope that they'd kill each other. Uh, with, you know, had Eddie Merckx and Roger de Vlaming tearing the road up and trying to drop each other. and. Uh, uh, it, it was it was quite an epic race, and uh, there's a there's a nice story on on the website about that. Yeah, it's, keeping with that, that was an inadvertently shameless link there, I think, Chris. But uh, <laughs> am I right in thinking there's a there's a, a, a connection between the Trofeo Baraki and uh, and the TI Rally um, team? Um, I think one of the British riders they do a two do the. Uh, Oh, yes, yes, there is, there is, because uh, Trofeo, um, when TI Rally, the first time, it was 1973, the first time uh, that they ever rode a monument, they started to make their name in cycling, and it was um, Phil Baton and uh, Dave Lloyd had a 140-kilometre lone breakaway, well, lone breakaway, two-man breakaway, uh, which the Trofeo loved, and everybody, all the European journalists wrote down TI Rally for the first time in this project, and um, they got an invitation to the Baraki Trophy at the end of the year, and they were third. And the winner was Felice Gimondi, and I think a guy called Rodriguez who was a Colombian World Pursuit Champion. And uh, Gusta Pettersson, one of the four Pettersson brothers that were the 100-kilometer Olympic and World uh, Team Time Trial Championships. Um, I think it was uh, Gusta with one of the brothers, but I don't know which other one, were, were, were second, and Phil Baton and Dave Lloyd were third. Dave Lloyd from the Wirral and Phil Burton Baton, the Staffordshire engine. Yes, and there's actually there's an interview um, with you and uh, you interviewed Phil earlier this year, didn't you? Um, yes, there the, is. Uh, subscriber feed as well. So yeah. there we go. Shameless marketing. Oh, um, it's, well. it's, it's it's almost like we planned this stuff, but it also proves that I have read Ti Rally, Chris. So there we go. Oh, well, it is. Yeah, I was good. Yeah, I was good. Um, that was very good. There was a few. There's a few, few Baraki Trophy references in there. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Right. So we were talking talking about history there, and um, bringing us right back up to the present. Um, and I was I was ruminating on this yesterday on the Saturday supplement, um, asking the question: Is the uh, is the sky falling in at Ineos? Um, but the the quiet man of British cycling, Rod Ellingworth, um, 
it hasn't been confirmed yet, has it? But it was rumoured, reported, whatever you want to call it, that he has uh, stepped down from his role as deputy team principal. Yeah. At the British World Tour team. That's, uh, that's going to be a big loss, isn't it? That is going to leave a gap because, um, you know, the the Rod Ellingworth was certainly every road achievement that uh, British Cycling and Sky and Ineos, um, particularly Sky, uh, anything they ever did um, was all blueprinted by by Rod Ellingworth, a fantastic coach. He had a fantastic relationship with uh, Mark Cavendish, uh, probably the only person who could have ever coached Mark Cavendish when he was young because he had infinite patience, total belief in him. He, he was the man who brought in the under-23 um, programme they, they, where they were based in, in, in Manchester and, and also in Karata. It went many times to Tuscany to interview various young riders. And he was just, he had a brain that, I know David Brailsford gets all the praise, but he had some really good people behind him, like him or loathe him. And I'm not talking about his his methods or his nature or his attitude, but Shane Sutton was an inspiration in that team. Um, Steve Peters, everybody says it's the glue that held it all together. And and Steve Peters was able to reframe and create a, a, a wonderful atmosphere in British cycling and those heydays that we look back on fondly now. Um, and Rod Ellingworth was the master planner. He had a, it was him that, uh, decided, you know, said, well, let's, we'll have this Project Rainbow jersey. We'll try to, Cav can win in Copenhagen. And he, he, he started with this reverse engineering where you've got Cav on the top step of the podium. How do we get there? And he broke it down into step-by-step, lap-by-lap, down to, down to the seams on skin suits of what it would take to win the world championships. And he did the same thing for the Tour of France. He had the, he had a blueprint to win the Tour of France. I think it's interesting that and if anybody who's read uh, Project Rainbow, for example, which was the you know, Rod Ellingworth story of the the the, uh, the, uh, the 2011 yeah, World Championship and, and, and the, the project that led to that, um, you just everybody assumes that certainly Team GB at the time um, and then into Sky was all about just shiny, expensive kit that nobody else could afford. But the 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 detail, um, the detailed thinking, the detailed planning that went behind all of that, um, was just, was just incredible, wasn't it? Oh, it was fantastic. Even down to morale. Even down to morale. When he when he, he, he I got a phone call from him. I think it was twenty two thousand and nine. No, no, yeah. And he said, I'm getting together, Cav can win in Copenhagen. And he said, I'm getting the team, the long, the, the big squad, the long list of, uh, of men to uh, Newport for a, for a weekend for the first get together. Have you got one of Tom Simpson's rainbow jerseys? And I said, yeah, I have. I've got a frame one. And so we met at uh, by the side of the M1 in a, in a car park and uh, in a service station on the side of the M1. I transferred this frame picture. Uh, he got everybody in the room. Everybody was sat there. There was fourteen, I think, or, or, or nearly twenty in this 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 long list. And he had the jersey on a at a chair at the front with a cover on it. And he says it's it's forty years since 
they had a British world professional, men's world professional road race champion. Who wants to win this? And took the, the took the you know like a magic. And he yeah. said immediately the whole room went yes we do we do we do we do. And then it it all rolled off from that. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I, I'm, I'm hoping that you weren't in a motorway service station with the, with the frame inside a jiffy bag or anything like that, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that the mystery has been solved. I, it was a Tom I, Simpson jersey. I, I have no idea what was in it at all. <laughs> Uh, and I got the jersey back as well. Yeah, well, that's that, that's good. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it just strikes me as a, a team that is really hasn't struggled over. It's not as if they're lacking in riders, and you know, even the their GC firepower is still fairly impressive. You've got the likes of uh, Carlos Rodriguez, you've got Egan Bernal, and you know, we've got Thomas has signed for another uh, another two seasons. Yeah, recently. Yeah. So, they're, so they're not that's sure. Not short of expertise and talent and all those kind of things. Even the younger riders, um, um, you know, Ben Turner, guys like that. Um, you know, Tom Pitcock, um, still a young man. So they're, they're not a team of mugs, but just the last two, three seasons, you know, we've seen the resurgence, the, the upsurge um, from Jumbo Visma um, and other teams. Um, and they just they've been playing catch up ever since, haven't they? Yeah, I think they've, they've had a couple of bits of bad luck, and um, and and uh, I think it, it just seems like they've run out of steam a little bit. I think they like you know need some rejuvenation. Maybe it needs new people to go in. Uh, it's the same. I mean, uh, uh, Lotto uh, Quickstep have, uh, in my opinion, they've run out of steam a little bit, haven't they? We've got Evenepoel and 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 that, but and that's having a change, isn't it? Because once they get together, they'll have. If they get together with Jumbo Visma, they're going to have their um, professionalism involved. And Patrick Lefevre is going to be standing down. In he's going to be passing at some on point. The, eh? Yeah. Well, no, this year he's going to be he's going to be standing down. This year he's passing the baton to a new uh, chief operating officer who hasn't been named yet, but he's going uh-huh. to be named quite shortly. Um, I think it needs rejuvenation, and maybe maybe. Maybe Rod's decided to take himself out of the way and and try something new. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it would be interesting to see how they do this year. Yeah, I mean the, the team. I mean, you you spoke about Shane Sutton, Steve Peters, Jordan Ellingworth. There's that that, that trio um, right at the centre of things. You know, with the, the very the public face, and again, I like him or loathe him, uh, Dave Brailsford there. Um, but over the last couple of seasons, we, we've seen that change. We've Rod Ellingworth. Um, spent a year with Barry and Victorious, didn't he? Um, yeah. At one point before he came back. But Steve Peters has drifted away. Obviously, the, the Shane Sutton you know, left um, in less than ideal circumstances. Um, but we've also seen guys like Roger Hammond leaving. So it's almost like the old gang has kind of dissolved um, and some of that energy has been lost, hasn't it? Yeah, it is. It's like the old gang has, has lost and the new, the replacements haven't really gelled, haven't really got it together yet. And uh, it maybe needs it maybe needs somebody high profile, somebody a bit charismatic, somebody to come in um, and and rejuvenate it. The whole the whole of British cycling. I mean, British cycling's struggling for money, and you know uh, the Tour of Britain's not. You know, there's, there's allegations of not bills not being paid, and the whole thing's just looking a little bit tired, and and could do with somebody else coming in and and rejuvenating it. 
yeah, there is an element of almost round up the usual suspects. We've seen um, Jim Radcliffe come in, um, obviously changing from Team Sky to, to Ineos Grenadiers um, for better or for worse. But we, again, we've seen almost this, a sugar daddy with somebody who's got an interest in it. And he's, he's inter- interested in sport and not wishing to take anything away from him, has put a lot of money into it and has garnered a lot of success um, in his sporting endeavours, whether it be sailing or, you know, and, you know, Sky haven't exactly Sky Ineos haven't exactly let them down um, over the last couple over the last few seasons. And um, but with the whole you know in, in the sidelines here, uh, pun unintentional. Um, there's the his increased stake in Manchester United football team, um, and David Brailsford's stepping up out whatever and doing more in terms of Ineos sports you know, globally. Um, there's a kind of feeling that the guys at the top have maybe lost a little bit of interest as well. Yeah, maybe that's what they're feeling within the team as well. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just everybody's been very silent and very tight-lipped about it. Um, I think it's just let the road decide with this one and see what what happens. <laughs> Hopefully somebody's going to, to, to galvanise them together next year. And uh, I mean, there's no reason. They've still got the DNA. They've still got the resources and they've still got some riders and they've got Tom Pickup, who again has had a little bit of bad luck again. Um, but you know, there's a lot he can do, to, and and I think once they start winning again, it'll 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 rejuvenate. Yeah, it's, I think it's it's one of those ones where success breeds success, doesn't it? It's, it's yeah. like, like a football team, you, you put a couple of decent games together and start winning, and then that that, that builds. So, <laughs> That's uh, all it is. Yeah, I, I suspect that the sky hasn't necessarily fallen in, but certainly given the um, it's you know, raining. It's raining. <laughs> the clouds, the clouds have gathered certainly. Um, but yeah, Rod Ellingworth moving on, and you know, to what I guess nobody knows because it hasn't hasn't been confirmed that he's moving on. No. Um, but you know, there must be. You know, if you are even particularly, if you, you spoke about Sudal Quickstep. Um, if you're a team who's in transition and you're looking for somebody, you know, Rod Ellingworth would be a lot worse. Oh, yeah. And, and maybe he needs a new challenge. Perhaps he needs to rejuvenate himself. Perhaps part of the reason is it's, it's all gone. He's been in the same place for so long. Again, I just think we're going it, to... It's too early to say that, that it, it's over. Um, it, it's just they're in, in a choppy waters. Yeah. There we go. There's a sailing analogy to continue. Yeah, we're doing, doing sailing. Yeah, we, we wait with, with bated breath. Um, this this is the Feed Zone from the Cycling Legends podcast on our free and subscriber feeds um, since it's Black Friday week. Um, coming up this Wednesday, um, I have uh, spent last week um, chatting to somebody um, who's, who's quite special. There is no replacing somebody like that. And I, I am very, very aware that I am not a replacement for her. Um, and I'm not even going to attempt to be a replacement for her. Um, but it was sort of a case of I was in the, the middle of a race in the summer and received a, a message from Sebastian. And I was sat at dinner with two of my teammates. Um, and it was, I think we still had a couple of stages left to go of the race. And I, they were like, you're right. Obviously, I always joke that I suffer with facial leakage where my feelings just fall out of my face. I can't control what's happening, good or bad. <laughs> it's like, I won't quite repeat what I said because it wasn't the cleanest language. 
but along the lines of, golly gosh, you'll never guess who's just sent me a message. And that was the voice of Claire Steele's Israel Premier Tech Roland Ryder, who um, has had a an incredible first season in the uh, world tour level and uh, not least of all at the end of things um getting a new contract with Movistar for um for four years starting um in January um I spoke to Claire uh, last Wednesday was it last Monday um and we just chatted for for ages just a joy to chat with her it's meant to be an interview it's really just um as I said on the uh, the Saturday supplement this week it's just two people having a blether um, so that will be on um, the subscriber and the uh, the public feeds on Wednesday um, and you know, seek it out and it's uh, it was just great, don't worry about me just listen to Claire because she's absolutely magic now, does, ble- does blether come with a subtitle? <laughs> yes my Gary's subtitles will be available on page 888 <laughs> <laughs> there's one for the kids um, now one of the things that Claire and I spoke about, jokingly, I said, you know, um, Annemiek van Vluten retires, you know, they picked up the phone, Claire, can you come and help us? Um, and she's she's desperate, in fact, from that clip, um, she's very keen to uh, to point out that that's not what she's trying to do. Um, but Annemiek van Vluten um, was one of many riders who uh, retired um, after this season. And this was something we were going to discuss a couple of weeks ago uh, on the feed zone. And we, we, we kind of went down one of the, the rabbit holes that we tend to do um, if, if you're a regular listener, you, you, you'll be well accustomed to this. Um, but Chris, we're we're seeing um, at the end of the season two, one rider in particular who could have done great things in Grand Tours um, and just seems to be come along, you know, at the, the wrong time in, in an era where of the Chris Frooms and the Alberto Contadors and Nairo Quintanas, and uh, I'm, I'm talking, of course, about uh, Thibaut Pino. Yeah, he's going to be the one I miss the most. I mean, we we did we have discussed the people we'll miss, and I, I did come out with Greg Avermark last time we discussed it. But he said Thibaut Pino, to me, is the last link with the heroic age of cycling. You know, where people uh, he made these breakaways that were always doomed. He was never going to win the Tour of France, certainly not in this age, probably ever. Um, it was his, his attacking the way he raced was a mirror image of, of French cycling because. You know, talk about the years of pain that they, they haven't won the Tour of France for so many years. Yeah, it, it's like England with the World Cup. Uh, he was just wonderful, and uh, Fabio Aro as well was the year before, wasn't yeah. it? When he retired, he's the same. Um, they could only ever be cyclists. They were just this old link with the the Fausto Coppi era and the, the, the heroic riders that, that went on lone breakaways and. Um, and the way he stage managed his his retirement in the Tour of France this year with that that again futile lone breakaway before all the machines came and gobbled him up. I mean, everybody in cycling was hoping that he would stay away and and the um, Jumbo Visma would switch off the machine for a day. Yeah, <laughs> but the bug the bug came for him. <laughs> he, he was not a number, was he? He was not. He was not one of two hundred or five of two hundred. He was Thibaut Pino, um, and the, the guy loved goats. You know what's to not like? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was I was never a big fan, but as always, as always, it's like the Star Wars. Only at the end do you realise that you start to appreciate. And um, but you know we have Grand Tours are, are still a race predominantly in this 
controlling way. And we've seen it with Jumbo Visma. We saw it when you were talking about Ineos and Team Sky. Um, but, you know, we would always see you know, FDJ lighting things up. Um, yeah. and it wasn't the team. It was just, it was, it was him. Um, and, you know, the, France still, you know, asks, asks Bernardino, don't they? Kong Bernard, Kong. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, he said it, said himself. You know, he was he was glad to be a popular rider, but he, he, he might have he might have traded some of that for um, a, a couple of wins. He did. Yes, he, he was glad, happy to be popular, but he was he would have been happier to have won one more and been less popular. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know. I think we needed him. But I, I don't think that cycling. I don't think we. I think we passed through an era in the Froome era of, of control. But we touched on this with um, the nutritionist Nigel Mitchell uh, during the week in an interview I did with him. Um, the, the racing is is changing so much now you know it, it is it is a bit gone back to the junior it's like junior racing where it's gloves off and and um he was saying that some of the research into food and, and how riders eat has been brought on or 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 maybe is a result of the improvements in um in in the science behind absorbing carbohydrates and stuff like that it's it's in response to this this new kind of racing where you you know, if somebody shouts three, two, one, go, and the teams have to start attacking each other because they're all too good to leave it <laughs> to the end. Funny, I, I'm, you're talking about harking back to a bygone era, and I'm, I'm reading um, a book about Luis Ocaña. Um, yeah, all right, and, yes. I'm, and I've just been at uh, 71 tour where he, um, he got about eight minutes on Eddie Merckx um, on one stage, and then the following day, uh, Molteni just attacked from the gun you know, Ocaña was at the back in the yellow jersey signing autographs and so on and <laughs> taking it easy. And Molteni just went boom up the road and, you know, raced from the gun. And, and, I don't, and you know, he, Ocaña never really recovered from that. Did he? I think he crashed. A couple he, he, was of on the back, he was on the back foot, wasn't he? I mean, Merckx raced every day to get that back. And if even if it was, even if it was, I think he got about 20 seconds that day, but he just raced. And the, the day when he crashed on the, on the Col de Monte, on the descent, Merckx hauled him up and down every mountain. He knew his descending was a weakness. Um, Kanyu is, yeah, a tragic, interesting figure. One comment, uh, you know, we've talked about, and we're going to talk about this when when David's back about uh, gravel racing and whether the, you know, the, the, the whether it's right that people support series all year and it's the same with cyclocross. And then some superstar road riders, or in the case of cyclocross, Wout Van Aert or, or Mathieu van der Poel, come and win the World Championships. But by the best not riding something, it, it almost, it in many ways, it deprives the winner uh, it, who won in their absence. It, because if you can compare the same thing, Ocania was very, very, very um, angry that Merckx didn't ride the 1973 tour that he won. Yeah. Ocania felt and they they genuinely did not like each other and there was a big war after that. Yeah. They didn't speak to each other. Um and I I don't know whether it's I don't, it, I don't know whether it'd be in your book, but they did speak to each other because he felt slighted that Merckx had avoided him that year because he knew he was in the best form and he wanted to beat him head to head because he yeah. believed he could. And they didn't speak for years. And Merckx said that he took Eddie Merckx told me this story that they didn't speak until about four or five years later 
when they both found themselves in an airport lounge. Right. And um, they had nothing, nobody, they didn't know anybody else. So it was pointless. You got one professional cyclist in Tour de France winner sat there and a, another one sat here. They went, they, Merck said, I went over to him, started talking to him. We went for a drink and then we had another drink and then we had another drink. And he said, and by the time the plane, the plane came, whoever it was went there, we were the best friends in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so alcohol does do some good in this world. Yeah, um, the, the book I'm reading actually is just called Ocaña. It's by uh, Carlos Arribas, uh, yeah. who's a Spanish journalist, and it's it's a mixture of you know, research and fact, but there's, there's kind of imagined conversations. Oh, um, right. I think so. I think he's it's fictionalized reality or whatever you call it, or um, fictionalized history. So it's it's really it's really good. I know there's another book. Is it Alistair Ford Lindholm's got a, a yeah. book about Ocaña as well, which came out a few yeah. years ago. Um, but uh, the, the the Carlos Arribas one is uh, it's it's really it's really interesting the way that the conversations that you know as he as he I think the author puts it that uh, are are imagined but nonetheless you know um, are plausible. Uh, but he's you know, he's talking about just the, the the treachery he felt towards that uh, Merckx had committed um, yeah. in seventy one. So I'll be interested. I've got a couple of chapters yet before I get to seventy three. Yeah, but he, and, a, and a tragic figure who eventually uh, took his own life. Yeah, um, but he was again. He was one of those riders that it was like Merckx, wasn't it? As long as I ride, I attack. Was yeah, that, or was that Hino that said that? Was, no, that was Hino that said that. Hino, yeah, yeah, similar thing. Yeah, he was. Ocanio was glorious, and he yeah. could climb, and um, and I mean, he really, he's probably the only person in all that time of the Merckx years that actually in seventy one he destroyed him that day. Um, you know, he just took him apart. It was uh, it, it was fantastic. Yeah, and I, you know, bringing it back to the present, I mean, there are we are seeing riders who can do that on any given day, and yeah, you know, we we talk about Pagacar, but even um, Vingigo can do it. You know, again, he's a he's not quite a marmite figure yet. I think it's just me. That might be the only person who's not sure of it. Um, you know, uh, Roglic and, and guys like that can do that. Um, you know, two or three days on a, in a row in a Grand Tour scenario. So, you know, I think, you know, have we turned the corner from the, the, the controlled stayed races that we've seen? I think, yeah. I, I think the answer is yes, isn't it? It's, yes, it is. I think I mean, Pogaccia, if Pogaccia's, you know, get, gets, a, I mean, he's, he's, he's not won the last two Tours of France, but, you know, he, he was still recovering from that collarbone. He wasn't yeah. quite the same as he could be. And he is remarkable. And I don't think Vingegaard. I don't think it's it's him plain sailing now for the next four or five years. I think Bogatcha. I I think Bogatcha. If he if he stays upright and doesn't have any problems, I think he'll win the Tour of France. I just think he's that bit better. He's that bit more explosive, and he can damage. But he yeah. he he's, he wasn't he wasn't on full form. I mean that attack he did on the Puy de Dome. The old Bogatcha would have carried on going away. And he only stuck that by sheer doggedness because it, it didn't really, it did work because he won the stage, but it didn't work. You could see in his eyes, he was looking back. This isn't, this isn't me as I was. Yeah. And I'm giving Cycling Weekly a plug. On the 30th of November, there are some, there are an article I've written that has got um, some of Pogaccio's training secrets. And the spoiler is, no, you can't do it. It won't have the same effect to you. <laughs> and, and, and that's the conclusion of the article. Um, no. You, it, it's uh, very interesting, quite scientific, and it, it, it's quite a fascinating uh, 
subject and and but no train tra- tra- like Pogaccio but you've never ride like him that's right you can train like well if you, if you train like it well you won't be able to train like him because he's different it won't have the same effect that's the conclusion of it <laughs> don't bother <laughs> um, but we also we're seeing the races changing as well I mean this is something we've spoken about a few times in the feed zone is that uh, you're the Netflix generation that Christian Prudhomme um, talks about and that we're now seeing punchier stages yeah. you know, we're no longer having 250 kilometre transitions um, but we're seeing stages where they're racing you know, from the word go and actually this is something that Claire Steele's uh, was talking about when I was asking her you know, should the, the Tour de France fam of X Zwift um, you know, have longer stages, or should it be a, you know, should it be a three week tour? She's like, no, you know, give me, you know, maybe two weeks max, but give yeah. a short, punchy stages because I guess yeah. as a racer, she loves that. Um, and as those of us who are you know, are consuming the content, um, we love to watch that as well. No, I don't. I think it'd be a mistake to make women's races long longer. Um, it's good you're going down a road that the men are shying away from anyway. Yeah. Um, and it, it, we don't want those two hundred plus kilometer stages. Give me 140 in three mountains. And it's just gloves off, isn't it, from the start? That's, yeah. you know. It, 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 and then, and then yeah, you could have equal distances for men and women. But the, it's the men's needs to reduce. I'm not saying the same for classics because it's a completely different thing. Yeah. Um, and completely different. And, and it, it is a different set of riders that can win after 200, 220, 240 kilometres. Um, so a single day racing is a separate thing, but the stage races, yeah, let's let's have let's have this gloves off racing um, straight out of the. Uh, they'll be they'll be starting them off in stalls soon. <laughs> <laughs> they were qualifying. They were like those, they were like those Kellogg City Centre uh, races they used to have years ago, where the British pros were. They they didn't even on the start line. They had that they had both feet clipped in on the start line. They were supporting each other in a line because it was it was it was like cyclocross. It was first into that court, first corner. <laughs> yeah, let's let's do that for a fortnight. That'd be a good grand tour. Yeah, well, a good grand tour of crits, <laughs> <laughs> mountainous crits. Yeah, Brittany crits, which just go up and down a hill. The old post tour uh, tour, uh, tour of France. Crits in Brittany. We're just up and down the same hill. Um, every <laughs> one of them. <laughs> well, there we go. We, 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 quite frequently, we fix cycling on this podcast. Whether we've gone from you know race numbers to um, you know season tickets and, and so on and so on. So yeah, the, having you know, a grand tour made of crits. Would be, yeah, and actually, the, the the tour of California was a bit like that, wasn't it? There was a couple of big mountains, and then four or five laps of a massive, you know, a massive big crit race. So. Yeah, yeah, they did. We've just, it's maybe not, it's maybe not an ideal example considering it no longer exists as a race, but you know. And there's going to be a model for cycling teams in an under-23 women's team that we're, we're going to reveal on here uh, when it's fully, fully sorted. Yeah. It's a, and, and that's a, we've got a little bit of an idea for a sustainable model for a team. And this is a it's under-23 women's. It's the first one that the UK's ever had. Um, but it's... We think it's a sustainable model for how teams are run, but we'll talk about more, more about that later. Oh, you tease! Well, um, trailing trailing future shows uh, is maybe as good a place as any to, to wrap things up. And this is a bit of a truncated feed zone um, this week, um, and we're not we're not stiffing you if you're if you're listening um, on the public feed. We'll probably be back next Sunday once we get David um, match fit, uh, and we'll get um, a, a third a third opinion. 
um, on on the world of cycling and the latest controversial topics. But um, every every feed zone we, when we wrap up, we we, we come with our recommendations. Um, and Chris, do you, have you brought anything to the table uh, this time around? Yeah, uh, Giordana clothing. It's a brand that not many people know. Um, it's a brand that really deserves more people supporting it and buying it. Uh, it's just as good as everything else on the market, slightly cheaper. And no, honestly, it's fantastic. Uh, Giordana, Giordana uh, bib tights, tops, shorts. Um, they, they're just that bit cheaper, but just as good, in my opinion, just as good as Rafa, just as good as Castelli and, and, and all of them. And it's really, really comfortable materials they use. The, the shorts are not too long, they're not too short, they're just, just perfect. So have a look at Giordana. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it all over the place. Yeah, I will. I'll link to that to the uh, in the, sh- the show notes as well. Um, yeah, because cycling closing prices just seem to have got silly over the oh, last couple so of years. Yeah, I mean, one hundred and forty pounds for a jersey. I mean, I'm sorry, but <laughs> yeah, it's um, no. I mean, it, it is. You, I mean, a Giordana jersey, eighty quid. Beautiful. And we're so well made. Seam, uh, the shorts, no seams that ever. The seams are all sealed and everything. It's just, uh, it's just really quality stuff. They're very popular in Italy. Yeah. Cool. Giordana. I will. I'll dig out some some pertinent links and I'll, I'll put them in the notes. Um, I, I've got a cycling related one this this week, and actually, it's uh, it's kind of linked to, a, to another podcast. Um, those, those of you who listen to it Never Stays Far, um, Ned Bolting, David Miller, and Pete Kenyak, um, will probably be familiar with the Roadbook, which is the um, the annual um almanac of the the season's um, stats, races, opinion. Um, and so on, and the sixth edition of the the roadbook is now available, and it really is. I mean, I've, it's just a, a it's a, a a glorious thing. A nice maroon color looks amazing on your on your bookshelf. Um, very much worth uh, looking at. Um, it's got all the stats, all the race results, um, and it's reporting over the last season. Um, and what's even better is that if somebody, uh, a white haired scientist and a young guy in a DeLorean sports car, come to visit you. Um, you could go back in time and make your fortune by betting on cycling races. So there you go. <laughs> I, I, wow. I, I saw it in a documentary. What can I say? Um, so the roadbook, um, you could also, uh, I think they're on Twitter, at Cycling, cycling Almanac, um, but I'll put a link in the in the show notes. Um, but it, yes, it will keep you keep you um, informed and entertained um, as you wait for this, the, to, the tour down under to come around, or in fact the next episode of The Feed Zone. So, Chris, wrapping up, where can we find you on uh, the socials? Um, at Chris Sidwell's on, on everything. I'm trying to support David with his, his cycling community on, on treads as well now. Um, cyclinglegends.co.uk uh, the website, my, my website, everything's going to be centralised on the website. There's a lot of changes coming in the new year and a, a lot of changes and development to the, the website, the, the, to the podcast as well that I've been working on with, with some other people. Um, and we're going to make it all, all a lot better, a lot easier to use and with some really, really interesting content. But when I know, when I've got that all finalised, either just before Christmas or just after, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it on here, but we'll also... I'll also send a newsletter to every subscriber. Thank you for supporting us. Um, and uh, thank you to Viva Velo as well. 
So I did with Viva Lavello, a shop in North Ferriby, great bike shop at Viva Lavello. Yeah, we will link to, to Ed and the team in the, in the yeah. show notes. Um, I was just going to say that if you're listening on the uh, on the public feed um, and you like what you hear this time around, you can sign up at cyclinglegendspodcast.com and do it now before we change the website. And, um, but you can sign up there all for the princely sum of £3.50 a month. Um, you'll find me on social media at the Gary Fairley. Again, you'll get me on threads and X and Instagram and all those kind of things. At the moment, it's model airplanes on Instagram. So if that, if that thing floats your boat, then you know, come, come along. Um, you can also email us um, at, uh, sorry, at, no, that's a Twitter thing, isn't it? You're at Cycling Legends 1. Um, you'll, you'll find us collectively there. Um, Cycling Legends Podcast at gmail.com. Drop us a line. Um, say hello. Uh, yeah. Tell us what you want us to talk about. We, we might even get you on to defend your views or whatever. Um, we're open <laughs> yeah. to suggestions. Yeah, good. That'd be good. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, drop us a line. Tell us what you think. Um, tell us what's interesting you. Tell us what you think we should talk about. You're, as I said, we're, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a broad church and we're a, we're a bit of a democracy. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll chat about anything cycling related. Um, in the meantime, I hope you've enjoyed the Feed Zone. Uh, Chris and I will be back next week, um, hopefully with a, a rejuvenated David Stanley. Um, but in the meantime, thanks for your time. And we'll speak to you again soon on the Feed Zone from the Cycling Legends podcast, powered by vivalavello.cc. Thank you.